Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, today is the first Sunday of the new year. And what a joy it is that the Lord our God, time and again, gives us new beginnings. The old passes away, and the new begins. In this way, he reminds us that this world, with us in it, is full of decay and death. And also that he over and again renews all things. The final and complete renewal will come at the end of time, when Jesus comes again. God is the God of life. And that is why we celebrate new beginnings, especially the beginning of new life. With the birth of a baby, also there's a new beginning. It's always a wonderful occurrence in the life of a family and also in the life of the church. Every time a child is born, we stand in awe and we rejoice in that new birth. It is a miracle. Although there are lots of things we do not know about the exact process of the birth of a baby, ultimately there is no mystery. We know about the process of birth and we know about the date when it occurred. The text that we are dealing with this morning deals with birth as well, with new life. But it deals with spiritual birth, which is an even greater miracle. However, many of us are unsure of when that happens and how that happens. At what point in your life are you reborn? Exactly when? Are you reborn? Does a little baby have the Holy Spirit already at birth? And how exactly do I receive the life-giving Holy Spirit? Do I receive the Holy Spirit because I've been born into a Christian family? Is it an automatic thing? And how do you know that you have the Holy Spirit? How can anyone be sure? One thing we do know, however, is that as Jesus says to Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. The Forum for the Baptism of Children also quotes this text. But when the Lord Jesus speaks these words, he speaks to Nicodemus, an adult. How can that apply to children? And so there are lots of questions and that need answers. And that's what I will preach to you about. It's about the miraculous work of being born again through the Holy Spirit. And then we will see that our rebirth is in the first place initiated by the Holy Spirit, 
Secondly, confirmed in the covenant. And thirdly, controlled by God. So first of all, our rebirth is initiated by the Holy Spirit. It is noteworthy how the Lord Jesus came to speak about being born again. And the issue came about because of a question from a man named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee and as such a prominent leader in Israel who found himself perplexed about who Jesus truly is. He observed the miracles Jesus was performing, saw the excitement that he stirred up amongst his people, and wanted to know more about him. As a result, he approached Jesus under the cover of nightfall. Some say that he came at night because he did not want the other Pharisees to know that he was coming to see him. He wanted to keep it secret. However, the text does not say that. It just mentions that he came at night. It could well be, and that is the more likely explanation, that he came at night because there are fewer interruptions. At night, it is easier to have a lengthy and deep-going discussion, which is what Nicodemus wanted. For he was struggling with something quite profound. He was a devout man and took his relationship with God seriously. And that is why the ministry of the Lord Jesus was so troubling to him. Nicodemus wondered whether he was the Messiah, the anointed one, the one they had been waiting for so long. He did not ask Jesus directly whether he is the Messiah, but Jesus could see that that was the question that was in his heart. Instead of addressing that issue, however, Jesus takes a completely different tack. He does not confirm or deny that he is the Messiah. He could have done that. He could have quoted the Old Testament and shown Nicodemus how everything in the Old Testament points to his coming and that it is now being fulfilled. He also could have pointed to the miracles that he is doing and to all the other signs that show him to be the Messiah the Son of God. He doesn't do that. Why? Well, because Jesus knows that it would not make any difference in the mind of Nicodemus. If you want to understand who the Messiah is, you cannot understand that through logical reasoning. Not that logic and reason are excluded, not at all. But ultimately, it is always a matter of faith. It is a matter of the inclination of the heart. It is a matter of submission to the truth. If you don't want to believe something, you won't, no matter what evidence is presented. Faith and reason have to go together. Mankind, you and I, we are still the same today. We can observe all, we can all observe the miracle of creation, we can clearly see how this wonderful creation could never have come about by chance, by evolution. The evidence of a mighty creator is overwhelming. And yet, most people don't believe. Why? Because they don't want to be bothered with finding the truth. 
You can come with all the evidence in the world, but if they do not want to accept that God has made everything, then whatever you say to them makes no difference. They won't believe. It's always a matter of faith. It's a matter of the heart, of submission to God, and of following his agenda, not yours. And it is for that reason that Jesus does not address the issue directly. But he speaks to Nicodemus about being born again. And what he says to him is quite significant and noteworthy. And that is clear already from the way that he introduces what he's about to say. He begins by saying, truly, truly, I say to you. In the Greek, it says, amen. Amen, I say to you. We must play, pay close attention whenever Jesus uses these words. That means that he is about to teach you something quite profound and important. And then come the crucial words. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus' concern was ultimately the kingdom. He wanted to be part of God's kingdom, and he wanted to know if Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one from the Lord, who holds the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And the Lord Jesus understands that. And that ultimately is what motivates all of us, isn't it? For by nature we are concerned, first of all, about ourselves and our place in God's kingdom. For us, the question is too, will I go to heaven when I die? Am I going to be enjoying all the wonderful blessings of life hereafter? And that's also what Nicodemus was after. But now, Jesus says that you cannot see the kingdom unless you are born again. Note well that he uses the verb to see the kingdom here in verse 3. But in verse 5, he speaks about entering the kingdom. And that is because there is a progression in view here. First of all, you have to see the kingdom. You have to perceive it. You have to understand what God's kingdom is all about. You have to understand who the king is and who the citizens of that kingdom are. And only then can you come to an understanding how to enter the kingdom. And so what's God's kingdom all about? Well, God's kingdom is, first of all, a spiritual kingdom. We have to fix our eyes above where God is in heaven. Rather than having a horizontal understanding, we need to have a vertical understanding. And that is why the Lord Jesus uses a word, anothen, that can have two meanings. The way most translations render what Jesus says to you is that you must be born again. But that same word can also easily be translated as above. It has both those meanings. You must be born from above. And that's why the ESV and the NIV and other translations in a footnote 
also give that as a possible translation. You can look at the bottom of the page of your Bible. It's in very small print. You are born from above because the Holy Spirit comes from above. He has to initiate your rebirth. In other words, rebirth does not come about because of a decision of man. No. It comes from above because of something God does. Second point. Please understand the tradition that Nicodemus is coming from. He's a Pharisee. He is deeply concerned about entrance into the kingdom. But he thinks that the way in is through work righteousness. It is through something you do or because of who you are. The Pharisees are proud of the fact that they are descended from Abraham and consequently, God's special people for God made his promises to Abraham and his seed. And so the matter of the kingdom for them is, first of all, a birthright. And in the second place, something to which you personally contribute. But, brothers and sisters, that's not the way into the kingdom of God. It's something much more profound, much more beautiful. Oh, sure, the descendants of Abraham are God's special covenant children. But not everyone who is descended from Abraham will be saved. On the contrary, why are they God's special people? Because they're such good people or so smart and good-looking or because they contribute so much to God's causes? No. Only because God wanted to preserve a people on earth who would worship him. He chose to proclaim his word to them, to Israel, out of all the other nations. He revealed himself to that nation. He came to them with the ten words of the covenant on Mount Sinai, and he sent to that nation, all the prophets, out of his own free will, he chose that nation. But there were many of God's people who rejected God's covenant and who did not keep God's commandments, who walked away from the covenant, who did not want to listen to the prophets, and who did not want to listen to the greatest prophet of all, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's more to it than just being part of God's special people. It is not just a matter of a physical bond with God and his people, but it is a matter of a spiritual bond. When we baptize our children, we do so because they are covenant children. As such, they are set apart as God's special children. And that is where the connection with children comes in as well. What makes them so special? God's love. God's faithfulness. 
In his great love, he gave them parents who belong to God's covenant. He gave them parents who are going to teach their children as they grow up in the ways of the Lord. They will teach them about God's wonderful covenant, about his promises and his demands, and about how God worked that out throughout the ages. That is what Christian parents promised to do at the time of their child's baptism. They will read to them every day from the Bible at the supper table. And as soon as they're able to sit still long enough without making a disturbance, they're going to take them along to church. And they're going to make sure that their children are going to receive a Christian education. They will send them to catechism classes as they get older. And they will make sure that they have Christian friends. You see, it is those things that make our children special, holy even. That's also what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 14, that the children of a believing parent are not unclean, but holy. Holiness has to do with the fact that they have been set apart. It has to do with the fact that they are washed with the word. And that's also what the Lord Jesus refers to when he says in John 15, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And so ultimately our children are special because of the word of God that is given to them. It has nothing to do with them because of any personal attributes. It was not so either that the nation Israel was such a fine people that the Lord God chose them. Israel as such was not any better or more worthy than all the other nations around them. And that's also the way it is with God's people today. Parents who bring their children to the baptismal font are not any better than anybody else. They're sinners, like everyone else, in need of redemption. They are not worthy of themselves except for one thing. God has revealed his special word to them. And now they believe. They made a conscious decision to put their trust in God. And as it says in, in Ephesians 2 verse 8, verse 8, even that faith is a gift from God. We have nothing to boast of, of ourselves. God does not want us to do that. Paul makes that very clear. God makes that very clear. We're totally dependent on him. God's doing. But now, what if a covenant child doesn't want anything to do with the word of God? If after all the instruction the child has received, he or she walks away, well, then that child has rejected the word of God. Then that grown-up child has only him or herself to blame for the fact that they are no longer part of the kingdom. The scriptures do not know of covenantal automatism. You also have to do something. But you have to do it out of what God has done. For please do understand that this is not your starting point. The Lord God initiates the covenant. He comes to his special 
people, including the children, with his wonderful promises. He does that already before they understand anything at all. He doesn't make a covenant with you because of your faith or because of anything that you do. No, he makes a covenant with you in spite of the great sinner you are and in spite of the great sinners our children are. And that is what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus. Nicodemus, however, pretends that he does not understand. And that is why he comes with the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Please don't think, however, that Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is driving at. He knows the scriptures. He knows from the Old Testament scripture that the Lord God does not just deal with the flesh, but especially with the heart. But Nicodemus is digging deeper. He wants to know what man's role is in all this. He wants the Lord Jesus to elaborate, and which is exactly what Jesus does. He says, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Again, he emphasizes that it is God's doing. Nicodemus understands that when the Lord Jesus says that you must be born of water, born of water, that then he is speaking about the water of baptism and what that represents. Nicodemus knew what baptism was all about. It has to do with cleansing. It's something that the Pharisees themselves required from any Gentile who was converted to Judaism. They had to be circumcised and baptized before they were considered to be part of God's people and allowed to enter the temple in Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus, however, connects this cleansing with the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who washes you and makes you clean and holy. You cannot separate the Holy Spirit from your cleansing. It is God who cleanses you. It's his doing. But when? When exactly does that happen? Has it happened to me, you may ask? Well, listen to how the Lord Jesus explains to Nicodemus the mystery of God's working. He is in control always, all the way. Third point. In verse 8, he compares the spirit to the wind. In Hebrew, and in Greek, the languages of the Bible, there are two different words that you can use for wind. But the word that he uses here is the same word that is also used of the Spirit. And so it was easy for Nicodemus and the original readers to make the immediate connection between wind or breath and Spirit. In this way, he illustrates to Nicodemus its mysterious workings. You don't always feel the wind. And then suddenly it starts blowing. And you don't always know where it comes from either. It can blow this way or that way or not perceptible at all. Well, says Jesus, that's also the way it is with the Spirit of God. You have no control over him. You don't know where he goes. He works inexplicably. But God does know. Just like he controls the wind, he also controls the spirit. It's all his doing. 
Indeed, the Holy Spirit is God himself. There are those who are regenerated and those who are not regenerated. That's God's business. It's up to God to let the Spirit blow where he wishes. Canons of Dort, one of our confessions, it's a beautiful confession. And it summarizes this doctrine in a wonderful way. In chapter 3, 4, article 12, from page 578, if you want to look it up. It says, and I skip a few parts, it says, this new creation, we're talking about rebirth, which God works in us without us, by no means remains in the power of man. It is, however, clearly a supernatural, most powerful, and at the same time, most delightful, marvelous, mysterious, and inexpressible work. And further, in Article 13, it says, In this life, believers cannot fully understand the way in which God does this work. Meanwhile, however, it is enough for them to know and experience that by this grace of God, they believe with the heart and love their Savior. Again, God's doing. And no doubt, you will still have a question at this point. How do I know whether or not I have been reborn? How do I know whether or not I have the Holy Spirit? Well, brothers and sisters, that includes you, boys and girls, the Lord compares the concept of physical birth to spiritual birth because there are a lot of similarities. He gives that analogy to help us understand better. How do you know as parents that your child is born? Well, that's obvious. You can see that with your eyes. You were there when that happened. And now your child is alive. And because you nurture that child, they continue to grow and grow. Within months, a baby will weigh double the amount at, at birth. And that's because of the good food that it will receive. And the child will continue to grow and grow until they become an adult. Well, the same thing is true of our rebirth. How do you know that you're born again? Well, first of all, you're alive. Aren't you alive in Christ? In Matthew 18, we read that the Lord Jesus welcomed the little children to him. He says to his disciples that those little children belong to the kingdom of God. And so a little baby is already part of the kingdom of God. If you grew up in a believing family and were baptized, then you were already a child of God at that point. But how do you know that further? Well, day in, day out, children are being fed God's word. They grow in their faith. And that is the way it is for all of us. We all grow in our faith. And that then also becomes evident in the way that we conduct ourselves, doesn't it? Because you have been fed God's word, you try to live according to God's will. And that means you try to live according to the commandments of God. Isn't that true of all of you here? 
Don't you want to live according to the law of God? Of course you do. Oh, sure, you fail at that all the time. I know I do. But nevertheless, that is what we want to do. And when you do fail, you ask for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why prayer is so important. It is in this way that the Holy Spirit continues to work in you. God doesn't give up on us. And that kind of growth in the Spirit you will see in your children as well. Because they're being fed God's Word, they respond to it. In one way or the other, they say their prayers at night and talk to God. They can retell Bible stories. Sometimes happens when I have my grandchildren over and I hear them retell the stories. I mean, there's music in your ears when you see those, those little ones telling the stories that God has given them to know. And they know that when something, when they do something wrong, that they sin against God. And so children also learn to ask for the forgiveness of sins. They learn to live out of the promises of God, out of what he has done. And so, in spite of their sinfulness, they grow in the Lord. And so we see that you received the Holy Spirit, therefore, already at birth. Those who were brought up in Christian homes slowly but surely grow in their faith. There's not an exact point where they can say that they were reborn. But you may say, well, there are people who can give you the date of their rebirth, even the hour. They remember that they became totally new creatures when they heard the gospel of salvation and accepted God as their Savior. They went from one type of life to another type of life. They went from being dead to being alive. And that's true. The Bible gives many examples of such new converts. It also happens that those who were brought up in a Christian home at first did not meaningfully respond to what they were being taught. They lived and thought like unbelievers, maybe well into their teens, and then suddenly there comes a point in their life when they turn around and they wake up. And then later they can remember when that happened. But please don't think that any of this happens because of human effort in the first place. Also, when you come to faith at a later age, it is still in response to what God has done. And God makes that very clear in his word. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us, and here it comes, he has given us new birth into a living hope. When? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. New birth is given to us because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for all those who belong to him. Our rebirth actually happened long before we were born. 
But now we have to respond to that. And that is true for children as well as for adults. Some respond to that later than others and differently. But our rebirth is never done on the basis of our faith. It is done on the basis of what is done from above by God the Holy Spirit. And so when were you born again? At the time of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you must also accept this and you must make this a reality in your life. You have to live out of what God has done. You have to live out of the promises that he makes. Being born again has to do with conversion, daily conversion. You have to repeatedly de to deny your old nature and put on the new. You have to say no to sin again and again and yes to the law of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And Jesus gives new birth through his resurrection and makes you part of his kingdom. And now you must also show that reality in your life. Acknowledge that he is in control of all things. For to him alone belong the honor and the glory. Amen. <laughs>